0: Hello and welcome back to the Smarter Building podcast, Powered by Symmetry, where we talk all things construction and its ever-evolving digital landscape. We're very pleased to be joined by Panu Passanant, CEO at OneClick LCA on today's show, to continue on the topic of sustainability and how we can make it easier for the industry to improve its carbon performance in the built environment. So thank you for joining us, Panu. It's a pleasure to have you and I look forward to delving deeper into this topic with you.
1: Me too. Great to be here.
0: But before we get started, can you just let our listeners know a little bit about yourself, your background, and maybe some of your hobbies?
1: Well, yeah, so uh, um, I'm a software engineer, practicing software engineer 20 years ago. Uh, And uh, then since then, I've been working on sustainability. And what I actually wanted to do for the first part of my career was to find a combination of being a software engineer who can contribute for the environment. Not so successfully the first few years, but um, Later on, with one click LC, I've been able to work on this and uh, been doing that ever since. Uh, yeah, I'm finished, married, have kids, two cats, read a lot, that kind of thing. So, pretty uninteresting life in that sense.
0: Sounds very interesting to me. I also have two cats, so um, I understand where you're coming from on that one. <laughs> Um, And then for those that may not be so familiar, could you just describe in short um, who OneClick LCA are and what it is that you do?
1: Yeah, so OneClick LCA's mission is to power the makers of a zero carbon future. And for us, the makers, they mean people who design, build and supply materials for buildings. So it's the whole value chain for construction, infrastructure, renovation, the whole built environment, really. And uh, in there, it's equality, the construction and equality manufacturing, and uh, <clears throat> we provide software tools and training for people who need to find ways to do circular products, low carbon products, be able to just assess even to understand where are the hot spots of carbon in there, and carbon risks in their uh, value chain, in their operations, in their design. Also, compliance obviously goes into it, but yeah, the, um, the point is of course to do better and not just to get a number out of it. So we are trying to do this software company. We are supporting customers in over 150 countries and uh, we are headquartered out of Finland and uh, we have a business in, on all continents worldwide. Um, yeah, we are about 20 years old company now.
0: Great. And um, you mentioned there, um, you also look at sort of the product design side. Um, do you say that the that side sort of is it leading the space more than the building side or is it the other way around? How do you see that?
1: Uh, the buildings uh, <clears throat> are leading the way more in the sense that it's, it, you can approach buildings a bit differently. Like you can renovate buildings, for example. I mean, it's much easier to have high circularity when you renovate the building, but it's much harder to remanufacture because for a building, you know where it's been, right? But when you have a used product, you have no idea where it's been. So uh, you have a completely different uh, way of going about it. Uh, so buildings are a bit more progressive, but product manufacturers try to do all the same things, but liabilities are a bit stricter. So if you have, for example, a product that could have been exposed to some hazardous substances because where it's been used or installed, yeah. um, just makes it harder. But um, yeah, buildings lead, but not by a huge uh, head.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, interesting. What more do you think the, the product design industry needs to be doing um, in order to achieve the sustainability goals?
1: Well, remanufacturing. like uh, It's absolutely necessary that the share of materials which are manufactured first time declines and the remanufacturing becomes more uh, important share. So um, design for disassembly is, of course, something which ultimately designers need to be supporting, but this requires also a lot from the manufacturers, so standard assembly practices, standard assembly solutions so that you can just put things in and take things out like in Lego building, right? I mean, that's kind of what we need to have in a form uh, so that the share of primary raw material consumption declines over time relative to the pace of construction. I think that's the most important thing. Excellent.
0: And then just bringing it back um, to the building industry. so. As stated in the Bring an Embodied Carbon Upfront report um, from the World Green Building Council, they state that buildings are currently responsible for 39% of global energy-related carbon emissions. So what would you say the key challenges around sustainability in the construction sector are and what is causing this?
1: Well, the most uh, important problem is really that the carbon targets, they are not set early enough, right? So, uh, because if you say... uh, build me a building quickly, cheaply. I mean, you can get probably both of those, but you cannot get low carbon into it without having asked for it ahead, right? So Mm -hmm. uh, these kind of requirements, they are too often added as an afterthought, they are added because there's some kind of certification that you want to get or similar thing, uh, whereas it doesn't work. So uh, to get the best outcomes uh, without having you know cost implications that are negative cost implications, you need to plan all of this in. So you need to do it systematically and, uh, run a whole process.
0: So then I guess that leads to the next point. Um, increased cost is always one of the major factors cited as slowing the adoption of sustainable construction processes. Um, so I see that you work with government bodies on drafting regulations and policies to achieve cost effective and durable carbon reductions. Could you just tell us a little bit more, um, about this and how that you can help people achieve this?
1: Yeah. So, uh, uh I think the most important thing to understand about the uh cost efficiency in low carbon construction is that you can achieve it even at cost with cost reductions if you do it early enough, because you can then actually strip out things from your plan, because there's a lot of things that are done in a standard manner. And then when you do them in a more sustainable manner, they are often material efficiencies that you can bring to bear and that brings down the cost. Uh, whereas then, when governments are involved, yeah, we do indeed support governments on policy making and uh we incidentally also help to write some regulations and set benchmark values for uh carbon limits but uh from government's point of view, they are usually limited to what the regulatory system um, allows but yeah indeed um from the co- connection of the uh, cost and uh, regulatory uh, optimization point of view are uh, the best place to do this. As a government is to require that the planning permission stage, and same goes for, uh, really like the whole construction industry as an industry as well. Because if you think through things through by that time, you'll be guaranteed to go in the right direction. So you're not having to change course later on with the associated cost chain, cost implications.
0: And so you touched on on your last question, um, sorts of mandates and regulations, but why should people in the construction industry start investing in LCAs from today, irrespective of those mandates and regulations?
1: Yeah, it's really, really simple. Uh, Three reasons. Nobody wants to work for your company. Nobody wants to fund your company and nobody wants to buy from your company. If you don't get in line, these are the times we live in, like uh, certain things were okay in 18th century, certain things were okay in the last century. And this century, it's a different game. Like. um, if you want to be part of you know, society and grow as a business, you have to have acceptability socially. So uh, this is driven by just demand. Like people don't want to do business with you. They don't want your products, they don't want your stuff, if you are not um, aligned with the way they work, because they work as part of the society. And uh, obviously, conservative industries such as construction, they are not like, let's say, the peloton of society in terms of pushing for better, but the money comes from the home, uh, entire society and all of the sectors in the society. So, yeah, relatively, construction is a laggard, but um, it cannot serve. Uh, I mean, it doesn't serve itself. It serves the the um, entire society and the entire business ecosystem.
0: Yeah. So I guess you kind of see it as people that aren't getting on board with this will kind of get left behind. It's it's what we need for the future. Well, I,
1: it's even faster and simpler than that because. Construction is also a low-margin industry. So, if you just have a relative decline of 2% every year versus the market, you're dead. Like, like that's it. Like, so, um, in a competitive industry, you cannot expose your flanks, and this is completely a flank for any, any business that competes after, you know, um, let's say, serious economic opportunities. Of course, in subcontracting, you get by with a bit less of sustainability, but in Design principle contracting, manufacturing, there's no way you can get away with it.
0: Interesting point. And I guess this sort of leads me on to the next one. So, is this kind of what drove you to create One Click LCA? Um, how and why was it born? Like, what challenges were you trying to solve?
1: Yeah, so um, at that time, we had already looked at number of industries and what kind of sustainability problems there were. And uh, um, Construction really stood out, extremely fragmented, uh, very low design budget per asset. So uh, if you consider like uh, BMW, they bring out a new car, they have 100 million design budget for the car, right? Uh, You do a new building, you have half a million design budget for the new building. Okay, cumulatively one new model of BMWs will have higher impact, but the one building on its own is going to be, you know, 15,000 tons of materials. It's a tremendous environmental strain. And and uh, moreover, uh, there's BIM models that can be used to automate, so you can, and there's uh, also lots of levers that can be pushed, uh, which are built into the ecosystem, which were not exploited at all back in the day when we moved into this, but we just thought this is, uh, this is a business in which um, there's drastic, let's say, inefficiency, environmental damage being done, and uh, we actually have a credible way to fix it, at least for our part. And uh, so far, it's worked out pretty good.
0: And have you seen that these challenges have shifted over the years? How how has it sort of evolved?
1: So the first half a decade, let us say, or or maybe a bit more, it was just evangelization, introducing the topic, explaining that this is actually important, and this is how it works and making people aware. And then um, after the level of awareness was reasonable, let's say 19, 2019, or thereabouts. So, uh, since then, it's been much more on the details so of how do you get it done, right? How do you do it if you have 50,000 people working in your company? Where do you start? I mean, you cannot get 50,000 people doing low-carbon all at once. You have to make deployment plans and training plans, and uh, just sort out really a lot of um, implementation problems. And, uh, of course, it's become much more heterogeneous. So, we did a study in 18 uh, about um, the different standards and regulations, that we found I believe hundred and five or so different standards, regulations, and uh certifications which included life cycle assessment. We haven't rerun the study now, but if we were to do so, I would think we would find three four hundred so uh like it's just uh, growing very organically based on the awareness that was built in the past decade,
0: yeah, excellent, and then just going back to you a little bit um so we can see that you're on the technical advisory committee for the carbon leadership forum could you just tell us a bit about what that involves and its goals and maybe how it also links to what you're doing today
1: yeah so uh, carbon leadership forum is a um, american ngo part of university of washington uh it used to be now it is um is more um set up as an autonomous body and uh the idea being uh, there is that to to bring about the awareness, uh, America is a latecomer in relative terms in this uh, in this field, and uh, bring about the data and tools for people to to be able to work on uh, sustainability and uh, low carbon construction. And uh, in the technical advisory um, committee, then we of course review different kinds of policy positions. The Carbon Leadership Forum looks to bring bring forth and. Uh, consultations relating to the government government, uh, policies and similar things. That's mostly it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's very important work um, in the sense that huge population, huge construction industry in the U.S. And, uh, of course, it has to be done locally. It is fundamentally a local industry everywhere.
0: Great. And so you kind of said the, um, the U.S. is a bit behind on that. And we can see maybe like where you're from, Finland, uh, kind of leading the way in this space and will as a country be carbon negative by 2040. How, how does that make you feel? And what are the differences you see in adoption of tech to drive emissions reduction from country to country?
1: Well, um, yeah, I mean, Nordics are ahead in digital construction in general, not just adoption of LCAs and that kind of things. And of course, the society here is more attuned uh, to sustainability in general. So um, if you then look at the US, it's a bit unfair to say that US is a relative laggard because West Coast and East Coast are, you know, quite progressive in some parts, but just it's the part in the middle that's not. So, um, but anyway, yeah. going to that, um, we have seen the uh, LCA basically follow on the back of BIM. Uh, I think it's um, also just about modernization of construction industry. So I mean they have to get used to using tools in the businesses, business before they can adopt things at a large scale. And uh, um, let's say decade after BIM, you get LCA in the system.
0: Are there any other countries in the Nordics that um, are doing particularly well in this space that we could um, hear a bit more about?
1: Yeah, so um, yeah, we work with Norwegian governments since quite a long time. So all the government projects are working uh, with OneClick LCN. They have a unique process where they actually start before the site selection already. To consider the climate impact, so they quantify the impacts of the sites, they consider the impact of new build versus retrofit, they build, quantify the impact of transportation of people and all of those things with one click, I see it like very early on, and then they move into pre-design, target setting, and on through every, every stage of the project, up to two years in post-completion. And they are extremely successful and uh, they hit their target, they beat their, you know, uh, reference values by over 40% on the entire mass of hundreds of different projects. Um, And it's only possible because they have a system and they enforce it throughout the whole uh, pipe, but they start early enough because they don't do wrong choices in the beginning. That's how, uh, how they are successful with it and they have the discipline to do it, obviously.
0: And do you think that is replicable across other countries as well?
1: Yeah, anybody who can be bothered will be able to do it. It's just laziness, uh, or of course, lack of priority in a, in any public organisation for for not doing it.
0: And I guess if it's um, not legislated, it's also quite difficult for people to be bothered, in a sense, isn't it? Um, so that's quite a tricky one to to get around. And I guess from from the UK's perspective, BIM has been quite a a slow adopter, so. Where where do you see the UK on, on that spectrum in ter- terms of um, LCAs and things like that? Uh,
1: well, um, UK is a bit of different animal in the sense that so much of the uh, finance flows for the real estate industry come from the UK. so uh, And uh, much of that goes to central London. So um, it's not just like UK construction industry and London construction industry, they are kind of in some way a different mm-hmm. animal but because london is so over uh, represented it's actually doing quite good like uh, in the sense that the requirements they are coming they come from greater london authority they come from the boroughs they come from the investors nobody wants to touch stuff that's you know brown uh, so um and um the fact that there's also a large design and engineering export base like all these large companies they export a lot of design know-how like Foster and & Partners and WSB and ICOM and whoever um, they do have a um, competence so in that sense UK is doing good insofar as this part of the market is concerned at the local level there's still a great way, um, great deal to do and uh, to that end I think um, other cities in the UK will adopt uh, or end up creating similar things to greater London Authority's policy to, you know, to level up in a way.
0: And this leads on nicely uh, to the next point, actually. Um, so it's also said that carbon emissions released before the built asset is used will be responsible for half of the entire carbon footprint of new construction between now and 2050, which is actually threatening to consume a large part of our remaining carbon budget. So what do you think, needs to be done to prevent this?
1: Well, uh, nobody probably wants to hear this, but the thing is to reduce new construction. So uh, that's where it starts. So uh, um, refurbishing assets much more efficiently is absolutely critical. Um, and when new construction is done, it needs to be way more material efficient. So uh, there's no like a miracle here, like you know, mass timber is um, lower carbon emission than, uh, let's say, you know, traditional concrete. But there's just so many forests in the world, it's like a limited raw material, even if it's renewing, because you need 60 years to grow the, you know, uh, regrow the forest. So uh, we are really in a a system where we have to do absolutely material-efficient solutions and um, extend buildings, renovate buildings. And try to recover as many things as we can from the buildings that have been built that, that cannot be reused because of demographics or whatever reason. So um, that's, um, that's ultimately how it has to go. Of course, then you have to develop low carbon materials too, but volume first.
0: Yeah. So I guess, obviously, the, the population is increasingly growing. How, how do we kind of change people's thought process to look at it in a different way
1: well that's more a question for a psychologist than myself i'm more a practicing engineer but um so uh we fundamentally also just have a constrained supply of land in the metropolises so um in the countries where we have green belts and similar zoning restrictions so buildings doesn't just sprawl uh, on and on for eternity. This this is quite effective uh, in terms of limiting the, the new construction. But then, if you have you know Houston, it's super hard. Like there has to be there has to be like economic barriers or limitations to it as well. Otherwise, new construction is very appealing because there's little penalty on it other than the carbon emissions.
0: So on that, could you highlight a real world example where OneClick LCA has made a significant difference in optimizing the environmental performance of a project?
1: Uh, Yeah. So um, one example um, is um, this kind of um, land sales competition where we helped uh, um, a city to award a hotel plot basically for an international hotel chain. And uh, how we work with them is that we develop minimum targets um, scoring systems, and then they let all the competitors run their assessments using one-click LC, and we supported them by third-party verifying all the results. And uh, what they achieved there is a drastic reduction in the baseline carbon uh, emissions. So uh, approximately 50% uh, decarbonization, zero cost, because obviously they were bidding for the plot um, according to the price mechanism that was set. And uh, they just waited in the decarbonization, and it's the most powerful thing you can do by far. Of course, it requires a bit of thought work uh, to get it done. But once you do that, it's
0: a tremendous. Yeah, impact. I mean, to say, you know, reducing it by that much is very impressive. So, yeah. Are there any more sort of projects like that that you guys are working on um, in the near future? Or
1: Well, uh, it's mostly our customers who work on these projects, right? So I'm sure every major design company you can think of is working on something impressive here or there. So uh, we engage directly with projects quite rarely, actually. So because we are a software provider, our aim is to power the makers, right? So... This just happened to be a case where the city wanted us to help them directly.
0: So what advice would you give to professionals and your customers, for example, in the construction and design industry who are looking to incorporate sustainability into their projects?
1: Start early. So uh, you don't need to know everything, but you need to set some rules and principles and directions uh, in the earliest phase of the project, because suppose that you contract a designer who only knows how to design a building using one structural system, it's not gonna get any better, right? I mean, no way. So you have to make the big decisions very early, and you have to then revise your thinking practice, like, am I going to get this done in the right right way if I just do business as usual? So, that you can still uh, change things. There's a lot of solutions which are out there, but some of them they need to be embedded in the design. In the, and uh, better that you don't have to do it in design twice, right?
0: Yeah, so with the growing importance of this in the industry, of course, and how do one click LCA stay up to date with these latest methodologies and standards for LCAs and also? continue to adapt to the new trends and these emerging technologies?
1: Well, it's obviously quite a lot of work. So um, this year we have, um, we have um, added compliance with nine different reg- new regulations and standards into the platform. So we have all these compliance modules for whatever you want to work with. And uh, I think four or five different BIM tools we have integrated. Uh, and then about seven or eight other national modules, which allow you to model, you know, in New Zealand, in Middle East, in Japan, things in a certain way. So, um yeah, it's a flurry of changes, and uh, we, of course, follow them directly. And also our customers will, of course, listen to them, right? So they will tell us if we seem to be missing something that they would be needing. So that's how we get this stuff done.
0: Okay, and then so looking ahead, um, what is your vision for the future of OneClick LCA and its impact on the broader sustainable construction landscape?
1: So um, we come from life cycle assessment and, you know, you can reasonably say we have this carbon tunnel vision. It's a term when you only consider carbon as optimization objective and uh, sustainability is, of course, more than that. So for a couple of years, we've been adding things into this panoply. So we work with circularity. Life cycle cost compliance and that kind of things so uh, what we want to com- we want to really offer a complete picture and uh, biodiversity is our next uh, let's say step on this journey and thereafter we'll be looking at things like human health impacts and others so but the um, yeah we really need to be able to deal with sustainability as a whole uh, even though carbon is the one that you know literally kills us if we don't get it right uh, in in form of climate change effects uh, so um, that's how we look at this. And we look at this as a value chain integration. So the whole value chain from you know developer, designer, engineer um, to manufacturing has to be able to work together on a common platform of data and uh, measure the performance in a consistent way, because it's not going to work if one of the parties claims it goes up when you do this and the other party claims the opposite. They need to be consistent metrics so that the business can work together. So that's how we look at the uh, how we take the industry forward.
0: Excellent. And then are there any exciting upcoming developments that you can possibly share with our listeners for One Click LCA?
1: Well, yeah, we are going to have a, in case any listener about in London, so we're going to have a customer meeting early November there. So stay tuned if, if so, uh, where we will be revealing some of our things which we launched later this year. But um, we do have a, uh, biodiversity on the agenda pretty high, because uh, biodiversity net gain is the way you talk about it in the UK, but it's a real problem in the same sense. It's a threat to our ecosystems everywhere, and uh, that's one of the topics. Uh, and um, concrete environmental product declarations, they are another, so that's um tremendously important raw material, and um, we need more data and better quality data, most of all. Uh, for making better decisions about where we buy our concrete. So those are two things on which we will be uh, launching new offerings in a very near term future, as well as mechanical, electrical and plumbing sector. So maybe more sub-sector of the AEC.
0: Okay, interesting. Well, um, thank you so much for joining us, Panu. It was great to have you and really insightful and um, we look forward to seeing all these um, upcoming developments.
1: Excellent. My pleasure. Thanks.
0: Thank you.